Well, good afternoon, church family. Uh, It is Wednesday once again. Uh, Today is the first Wednesday uh, devotional in the month of June. Uh, It's June 2nd, 2021, and we are going to be finishing out uh, Psalm 119, verses 161 to 168. uh, That's titled, Shin in Your Bible, uh, and I've entitled this section, Standing in All of God's Word. And so before we begin, let's open up in a word of prayer. Gracious Father, uh, we do thank you again for this new day. We thank you that we have stepped into uh, the month of June. And Lord, as we uh, look forward to the summer weather that uh, will be uh, enjoyed as uh, people have a chance to be outside and to uh, enjoy uh, the warmer weather and the sunshine, Lord, I pray that uh, they would still uh, carve out time to be in your word, uh, to be encouraged to uh, not only uh, you know, take care of uh, their physical bodies as they're outside and the, the things that, that can do for us mentally, but also spiritually, uh, because really that is the most important, uh, that we uh, feed ourselves spiritually. And so we ask that you do that today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me go ahead and reread our section here uh, as we uh, finish out the second half of Psalm uh, 119, 161 to 168. It says, Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in all of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Well, today we're going to be finishing out this uh, section, uh, which is the second to last. And so uh, the next uh, two weeks uh, from now, uh, we'll actually be finishing up Psalm 119. Uh, And so let's finish out this section well as we consider standing in all of God's word, uh, part two. Verse 165 says there, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. See, this love for God's law, the psalmist mentions back in verse 163 of this uh, same section. He says, I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. See, there is a real-life benefit from, from someone loving God's law. And what is that benefit from loving God's law? is great peace. You know, great can actually be translated abundant. So if you are one who digs deep into God's word, if you're one who loves God's law, loves his word, then the result of that love is going to produce in you a great or abundant peace. Now, James Montgomery Boyce, in commentating on this section, said, this verse does not promise peace to those who perfectly keep God's law. For who can keep it? And we know the answer to that is no one can. Only Jesus fulfilled the law. But he goes on to say, it promises peace to those who love God's law. So the, the outcome of someone loving God's law, not keeping it perfectly because no human being can, only Jesus, the Son of God, was able to keep the law perfectly. But when we love God's law, when we take it and make it part of who we are each and every day, there's going to be a result Because that law, that truth, as it transforms our thinking, as it transforms our actions, will actually give us a great peace. 
a piece that can even be seen as we consider the fact that the psalmist back at the beginning of this section spoke to the fact that princes persecuted him without cause. Well, he did not whine and complain about that. He didn't say, you know, uh, you know, take this all away from me. His perspective was is that his heart stand in all of God's word because the psalmist has a love for God's word. He has a love for God himself. Well, peace is spoken of uh, a lot in the word of God. And I just picked a couple of examples of, of some scriptures to uh, speak to it. Second um, Peter chapter 1, verse 2, uh, uh, he says, uh, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So two things that uh, Peter, as he penned these words and under the inspiration of the Spirit, is that may grace and peace. Okay, so that peace is to be multiplied to you, how? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Well, how do we come to the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord? Well, we do so when we love his word, when we spend time in his word. Another passage is Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. It says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called to one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So here, Paul, in this letter to the church at Colossae, says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay, well, what is, how do we find out the word of Christ? Well, we have it because we have the, the full revelation of God. We have the full revelation of Jesus Christ in his word. And another passage is in Isaiah 26. Verses 3 and 4, it says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So God is the one who keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on who? God. Not the circumstances of life, not on ourselves, but on God himself. Because why? We're trusting in God. That's where the peace comes from, and that's a direct result of a love for not only God himself, but for God's words. Church family, listen to me for a few moments. Your most precious material possession here on earth is your Bible. This is why we should love God's word. We should delight in God's word each and every day. God's word is our anchor in the storms of life. It is what gives us the peace that we need, a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that will be multiplied the more that you know God and his word, a peace that should rule in your hearts because of Christ and him dwelling in you richly. And it is God who is the one who keeps you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him. See, he is the one who gives us the perspective. He is the one that can help us through. Because God did not create us and did not save us to just leave us to flounder and to be alone. See, this is what will keep you from stumbling. So please, as you think about everything that you do each and every day, remember that your most precious material possession here on earth is your Bible. Why do you, do you think it's a coincidence that Psalm 119, the longest uh, chapter in the, the Word of God, 
speaks about the word of God and all the benefits of it in your life. And that the psalmist in this section speaks of standing in all of God's word. It's not a coincidence because God's word is powerful. God's word speaks truth into your life each and every day. And you need to be in it to know what that truth is. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. See, the thing is that doesn't, the, the nothing that can make anyone stumble is removed when we find our focus on God. And that, that means even as we find ourselves studying church history in, in adult Sunday school, finding out that there was those that did not stumble even to the point of death because it was God's peace. It was a love for God and his word that kept them going. Verse 166 says, I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. I hope for your salvation. Now, this hope is not just a wishful thinking on the part of the psalmist. He's not wishful that he would be saved. He's not wishful that God is going to, you know, uh, speak truth into his life through his commandments. The psalmist has a firm assurance and a confident expectation that God will save him, will bring him through whatever it is that will come into the psalmist's life, and uh, the psalmist demonstrates his hope. He demonstrates this firm assurance and this confident expectation in God by doing what? Keeping God's word. And so there's a direct result of, you know, trusting in God and, and hoping in him, not in some wishful thinking, but in a firm assurance, because it's knowing the God who you love. To take him at his word that he is God almighty, all-knowing, uh, you know, that, that loves us with uh, an eternal love. And so this, you know, as it were, when it comes into the life of a believer, has a direct result of, uh, you know, keeping God's word. Because the more you know the God who saves, the more you want to know. It's something that you will never find your thirst quenched. Matter of fact, as you seek to have your thirst quenched with the word of God, God enlarges you to take in more. That's why it's living and active. Then verses 167 and 168 as we wrap up this last, uh, these last two verses in this section. He says, my soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. He says, my soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. It reminded me of what happens when we put our faith and trust in Christ. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Because those that are of this world do not have a soul that keeps God's testimonies. They do not desire to keep God's word because God's word uh, is a sword that divides and, and, and slices you know, apart the sinfulness of their heart. And see, what God does when we become a new creation in Christ is he gives us uh, a, a new focus, a new love, a love for him and not a love for ourselves. And then in verse you know, 17 there, it says, therefore, well, that therefore always is, you know, what's that therefore, therefore is the question you ask. So listen to what verses 14 through 16, the verses prior to verse 17 say. 
It says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard thus, uh, him thus no longer. So in other words, we no longer look at God through fleshly eyes. We look at God through spiritual eyes. We can actually see God for who he is. So the rest of the world, apart from God, you know, sees God, uh, and I put sees in quotes, through fleshly eyes, according to the flesh. And what does the, the, the flesh do in relation to God and his truth and his word and God himself is he wants nothing to do with it. And the thing is, is what changes, you know, and what makes someone say, my soul keeps your testimonies, I love them exceedingly, is that in this passage in 2 Corinthians, Paul is telling us that all believers in Christ no longer live for themselves. It's not about me anymore. It's about God. See, we have a, a spiritual nature which we did not have apart from God because we were spiritually dead. That's what God does in opening up our eyes. The old sin nature was nailed to the cross with Christ. And so this is what gives the, the psalmist the ability to say, my soul keeps your testimonies because I love them exceedingly. When someone has become a new creation in Christ, God gives them a love for that which they used to hate. See, they love God and they love his word. Then in verse 168, he says, I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways are before you. And this, set, this verse here reminds me of living in light of the fact that God sees us. Sometimes we pretend as if God doesn't see. Uh, or if we know that God sees, we just ignore the fact that he sees. But it reminded me of Psalm 139, where it says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. See, the psalmist says, I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways are before you. See, God knows you inside and out, not only because he created you and wove you in your mother's womb, but because he is God, the one who knows everything, the one who sees our heart. He knows why we do what we do. Proverbs 5.21 states it this way, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. See, and, and this whole acknowledgement of the fact that God's ways, or the, the psalmist's ways are before him, actually prompts obedience because it says, I keep your precepts and testimonies. So there's an actual prompting of obedience because he knows that God sees everything. And the thing is, if we as believers today could understand that and see that just a little bit more, I think it would profoundly change how we act in the world today. 
And we all need to do this because there are things that we hold on to. There are things that we do. There are things that we don't do and things that we let go that we should hold on to uh, that speak uh, in relation to how we see God and how he sees us. Because I believe that if we understand that God knows all of our ways and that uh, all of our ways are before him at any given moment of any given time of the day, that should change how we act. It should change our obedience to God's word and his precepts. But sometimes what we do is we let the culture dictate to us. Sometimes we just ignore the truth altogether because we selfishly want to do something. It reminded me of a song, and I'm only going to read uh, partial lyrics out of it. But uh, as I close today, and as you think about standing in all of the, the uh, of God's word, knowing that as you find yourself in God's word, that it will give you a peace as you love it, and that you can have a, a, a firm assurance and confident expectation that God does save, uh, and that as we keep his commandments, he will continue to transform us, is that his eye is on the sparrow. And one of the verses in that song says, Let not your heart be troubled, his tender word I hear. And resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. Though by the path he leadeth, but one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you that... uh, Your eye is on us, that you do know us and have searched us and known us, that you have searched out our paths and are lying down and are acquainted with all of our ways. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that in reality, to see that uh, in an application in our lives so that it may inform our thinking, that it may inform our actions and our words so that we would live differently in this world today that your spirit would make those necessary changes, that he would continue to do the surgery of removing that which uh, can be cancerous in us spiritually uh, and uh, prepare us for that which is uh, holy, to be holy like you, to continue that great work of sanctification. Lord, we thank you for these truths today. We thank you for the psalmist and his uh, openness uh, and, and sharing from his heart his love for you and his love for your words. And we thank you for the great peace that comes in knowing that in our own lives today personally. Guide us and direct us in the week to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, church family, for joining us once again here on June 2nd, 2021. And trust that you will stand in all of God's word today. God bless you. Have a great day.